This is the one with another army of ghosts. Eggs having dad for breakfast. An alien fetus in a jar. Really great warehouse doors. The sweets to Shauna's sour. The worst podcast opening theme ever. And a cosmos straddling perception filter. It's called Doctor Who, colon, the punctuation, redacted. Here we go. Reviewing stuff for Rebels 2. Because we love our Doctor Who. Cultish robots are no bore. Opposing prison, why not sure? The robot haven and like Paul. Orbis Phobos, pretty cool. Now and then and here and there. We'll follow Doc 8 everywhere. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Audiobook by audiobook. Even those that are gobbledygook. We'll review them all, you see. So join us on this odyssey. It's who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between, and most definitely beyond, welcome to yet another Who Back episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right. Tonight we are reviewing, finally, at long last, A033, Doctor Who colon the punctuation redacted. We've been talking about this for quite some time. Yes, we have. (laughs) Thank you for your patience, podcast land. And I would like to excuse that long delay for two reasons. I've been very busy with work, and boy, was there a lot of material to get through. Oh my goodness, ten episodes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, well worth it, though. Yeah, and also, it brings us to the absolute acme of topicality, because all of Redacted Series 2 was released simultaneously on BBC Sounds. Today, the very day we are recording this, 18th of September, 2023. Utterly mad. Yeah. Utterly mad. So be sure to listen to this review before you listen to Season 2. Well, yes. Is Series 2 going to be worth listening to based on what we tell you about Series 1? Listen on, Podcast Land. We might actually come in useful. (laughs) Yeah. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) Took us a decade and a bit. Right. So, Leon, my high-level question to you is, based on your experience of Series 1, are you going to listen to Series 2? I think I probably will, you know. Really? Yeah, I think I probably will. I don't want to get too uh, bogged down in in detail, but the episodes are bite-sized enough that you could just listen to one sort of on the go. Mm -hmm. You don't have to commit as much attention and time as you would to a proper, quote-unquote, proper audio adventure. Yeah, one will fit into practically any London bus journey, two or three into a commute. Yeah, essentially, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there are some really charming characters in there. There's a really charming character in there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say on the count of three. Three, One, two, two, three. Cleo. Oh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. Okay, wow. Right, well, yep, fine. Well, it's going to be an action-packed evening (laughs) podcast land. I mean, I'm slightly biased towards Abbeys in general, but never mind. Yeah, yeah, but quite possibly. (laughs) How do you feel about this? I will not be listening to Series 2. No. No. Even though it does address two of the issues with Series 1 for me, which is Series 1 was 219 minutes in total for 10 episodes. That's longer than The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. That is longer than the director's cut of Das Boot. Right, yeah. And I was really feeling it, especially around episode eight. Oh, oh, yes. We need to talk about how the tempo dips towards the end of this series, because uh, me oh my, does it ever. (laughs) Yes. Series two, though, has only six episodes. And rather than being released one per week for a time span of more than two months, 
well done all of you who did this in real time by the way it's all been released on bbc sounds at once it comes to just under three hours step in the right direction so yeah maybe don't put too much store in this being too long but yeah i found it way too long yeah agreed we'll, we'll talk about it we'll get yeah, into yeah. it uh what's it about though drew what's it about oh well if only there were a twin paragraph length easy way of finding that out <laughs> <laughs> indeed <laughs> i apologize i just snorted yes indeed let's let's maybe explore those twin paragraphs shall yes, we? yes those two bite-sized chunks of who <laughs> time for us to synopsize lobify and summarize so take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview this free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who bite-sized chunk of who Abby McPhail, Cleo Proctor, and Shauna Thompson, with excellent discernment, have embarked upon that most noble of endeavours, a Doctor Who podcast, or increasingly, Doc Past, as Abby's carefully curated collection of files on the Doctor begins first to corrupt and then to disappear. These aren't the only lacunae opening in the Hooniverse, however. Graham and Ryan also go missing, somehow even more missing than when they're secretly in Finland, Korea, Patagonia, or a volcano. Could Rani Chandra be right that the Doctor's killing her past associates? <gasps> cow over. You are welcome. Oh my goodness. Mm. <laughs> okay, so your favourite most charming character of the three leads was Cleo Proctor. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Explain. <sighs> sass. Much sass. So much sass. Zinger after zinger. Sassissima. Yeah, hilariously zingy character. Clearly the character who had been written for the most. I don't just mean she clearly had the most lines. I mean, the most time in writing had been devoted to Cleo. Yes. And also the lead, obviously, yada, yada, yada. But in in general, just like a really fun, exciting and, and witty character. And quite vulgar at times, which I rather enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Capable of straddling both serious, dramatic, sad topics Mm -hmm. and slapstick and action on the other side of it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I see that. Like flinging herself out a window whilst complaining about having, not not having spelunked wearing a skirt the last time or whatever it was. Oh, well, that was one of the things I found slightly ludicrous. Which is, I think they've just run, I don't know, 50 yards to escape some zombies. And now they are clambering 10 stories down some kind of rope ladder at best that Madame Vastra has hooked up to the side of the building. Yes, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> slight <laughs> leap of faith required on the part of the listener there as well as the character. Yes, that is fair. Let's put a pin in Madame Vastra. I want to talk about Madame Vastra as well. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah. in your case, Abby. Why Abby? Why why is this the, the most important and uh, listenable character? I found her to be by far the most reasonable of the three. Okay. Not only has she come up with a great idea of a Doctor Who podcast, opening theme aside. Terrible opening theme. <laughs> the worst opening theme. Honestly, I can't remember. I've heard it three or four or five times across this production, and I can't actually remember it. Apart from, there's a weird laugh at one point or something. You hear it like three or four times in episode one. Yeah. That was nine and a half episodes ago, so I can't possibly remember. Yeah, that is true. I just want to gouge out my earballs when I heard it. It was dreadful. Mm. But I suspect that it is deliberately amateuristic. Yes. Oh, very homemade. Oh, yeah. Mm. But homemade in the way that it almost doesn't sound homemade. 
it's so deliberately bad that yeah. you feel like quite a lot of energy, quite a lot of effort that's going into it. <laughs> it's ersatz crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, have they never heard of public domain music? Yeah, Pongan and Friends. Here you go. <laughs> go to incompetech.com. That's where you find all of your amateur podcast soundtracks. Yeah, and bonus, it won't cost the BBC anything. <laughs> True. Yeah. The very similitude for absolutely no money is brilliant. So she's done that, and I just found that she was the only one of the three leads who would actually listen. Uh, she listens to Osgood. Yes. Osgood yep. comes along, and Osgood is affable and humble and extremely apologetic. And Shauna is not having any of it for one second. Like, she doesn't have any of practically anything throughout the ten episodes. Cleo is in the middle, because Cleo usually is in the middle. And Abby is the one who actually bothers to hear the words that she is speaking and decide that she might want to partake in this, this, this mission. Yeah. And that was a big plus for me. And I, I agree yeah. that that is a big plus in terms of having this character be really reasonable, mm-hmm. rational, mm-hmm. intelligent. Okay. Didn't find her that compelling to listen to, though. No, I guess not really, because they do save 90% of the zingers for Cleo. They really do concentrate them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But even other characters who don't get any zingers are still quite compelling to listen to. Like, Cleo's mum is quite compelling, I find. Yeah, yeah. She has an arc. She goes on a journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Cleo's brother does not. He goes on a journey, <laughs> but not on an arc. <laughs> uh, no, no. He goes there and back again. And yeah. Nary a ring is found. Yeah, yeah. Starts calling people buttface, ends calling people buttface. Yeah. Yeah. Just slightly more wearily. Classic Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a third member of our trio of leads. Shauna. Oh, Shauna. <laughs> so forgettable. <laughs> Genuinely rolling my eyes going somewhere up there beyond my ocular nerve. There is the memory of the recollection of a third character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who joins units? No. Amazon oh, no, that's Abby. Unit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shauna is the Shauna one who is... Yeah, yeah. Shauna absolutely is... militantly anti-unit. Yes, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ah, uh, yeah. Every note I have about Shauna in my notes is negative, honestly. Pretty much every single one. And at the end, when Abby jumps tracks and mm-hmm. dumps absolutely irredeemable boyfriend Craig and is going to kiss Shauna on the Sheffield train station platform, Yeah, I was annoyed at... Uh, the way round the scene was because Shauna has not grown at all. She was the one who needed to grow throughout the podcast to match up to Abby, and instead, Abby has had to be like, "Now nah, I'll I'll pack in trying to save the world and my loyalty to you, which you got so annoyed about me betraying when I did try to save the world. I've I've decided you're more important, and so I I really like for you to kiss me, please." And I'm like. Absolutely the wrong dynamic. Yes, I agree. I'm scrolling through my notes and I have written, I've made a lot of notes, a tremendous amount of notes. And Shauna only shows up in one single bullet point. Oh, really? At the very end in part 10 to say, I don't buy this relationship. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, Shauna made zero impression on me. Mm -hmm. Well, where Shauna made her biggest impression on me was when Abby was listening to Osgood and Osgood and Abby were demonstrating a reciprocal kind of empathy shauna just had absolutely none that's true i think there's a little bit of jealousy going on there as well there is there is um and she's expressing it in an incredibly juvenile way which unfortunately 
is redolent of her entire character. Yeah. And I also just found her dreadful company from beginning to end. She's snotty, stroppy, snide, all those things. At one point, at the end, like, she manages to apologise while being entirely unrepentant. Like, Abby was right. She, she was like, you were right, but I'm not going to make a habit of saying this because I refuse to develop. Like, I'm I'm still the same old Shauna underneath, even though circumstances have bested me this time. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I'm with you on this. Yeah. Uh, I, I have zero counter-arguments. He... he relatively irredeemable character not so irredeemable as to dissuade me from listening to series two okay and to be clear i'm not going to be running to listen to series two right away there are plenty of other things i need to listen to first but yeah i'm not discounting and who knows maybe she will belatedly begin to develop well presumably she will because either the uh, actor in question is going to go can you give me a flipping arc or i'm out of here yeah. Or the BBC is going to go, well, we had quite a lot of letters. <laughs> <laughs> and the test audiences didn't really respond well to that character, so we need to do something. There's some work left to be done. Yeah. Well, I was I was surprised looking at their relative IMDb credits. Holly Quinn Ankara played Shauna. Uh-huh. And she's been on Grange Hill. She was a child star. All right. She, child star may be pushing it, but still, she was a child on children's TV. Sure, and that's she something. In, she was in Coronation Street, flagship. Coray! Yeah. yeah, she's been an actress for 15 plus years. Yeah. And Charlie Craggs, this is her only IMDb credit, this series. Uh, yeah. Would not have put it that way around. I thought there was something else. But yeah, not a television or film actor by any stretch. No. There was another credit, but it was playing herself in something, in some... Oh, right. Okay, that'll be what I saw. Trans-oriented thing. Sure. Because we should say Charlie Craggs is an author and an activist, a trans activist. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine that there's documentary footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So, yeah, already vaulted past the established actor. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, past everyone. But that is the thing as well. It's difficult for anyone who inhabits that particular role to not vault past... Who, whomsoever is playing Shauna. Yeah. You could have Derek Jacobi playing Shauna. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Derek Jacobi would have brought so much nuance and so many layers and so much depth. I would have been like, what's Shauna's deal? What's Shauna's innate, intriguing mystery? Oh, yeah. What's brought Shauna to this pass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing's brought Shauna to this pass. She's a, just so childish. It drives me crazy. I suppose Shauna was consistent. You can give the actress that much. Yeah, true. Yeah. Brother. Because, goodness, sustaining a monotone for a while is is quite tough on the vocal cords. Which brings me on to the worst acting in the entire series. Oh, I cannot wait. Who's this? Ken Cheng. Who played? Joel. Wait, who's Joel? Joel was the guy... It was like the unit, he, he sounded like a unit android. He sounded like, oh. he sounded like Andy Murray minus all of his famous expressiveness. Like, the unit okay. soldier who eventually is deleted. He's, he's the one who... Or redacted, I mean. Possibly, well, they all are. He's the one who says, no, you should try it with ginger ale instead of Coke. Oh, not the that one guy. I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, Not the one who holds them up at gunpoint. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. No, so you're thinking of the person who's working in the warehouse, essentially, who's yeah. like guarding the the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones, the, yeah. that person. Yeah, which should have been like a two-line joke. Yeah. But instead, they get about 20 minutes. And it annoyed me because they were also the writer of the episode. So I'm like, you are so in on your own joke. You just keep finding it funny. And it's <laughs> so well, far past played for me. Well, you know what? 
stick to writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick to writing. Don't don't try acting out your own lines. Yeah. Maybe that's another thing as well. I really like the production value in that particular scene, though. It, oh, yeah. As in, in that sequence of scenes, rather. When they're in the warehouse, they're opening various doors. They're looking oh, at different things. Oh, what a things. door, eh? It's, oh, such a... What an impressive door. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, what oh, a man. door. I would bang on about that door. I would bang on that door. I would, I would write several pages that about that door. door. <laughs> I yeah. would bang that door. Uh, the... the <laughs> There's also the bit where, without explaining exactly what they do, I could perfectly picture them yeah. sitting in swivel chairs and using whatever the spritz or sonic, sonic whatever mascara. thing. Sonic That's what it was. As using a that quasi fire extinguisher. Race. Exactly to yeah. then race each other across the, the the corridor. I loved the production value. In fact, hmm. I'll go so far as to say production value. 9.9 out of 10, or to use a more established <laughs> rating system on Hubeck Wen, uh, 4.9 out of 5, let's call it that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very solid production value. Yes, very solid. I would say very solid, but often not spectacular. Like, there were long stretches of practically nothing interesting happening, either story-wise or sound-wise. That's true. Story-wise is a different thing. That's, of course. Because th- there are definitely parts of this... I would say the... The script overall, like if you view this as one single script, yeah. it lags at the start in terms of like it hasn't found its footing yet. It's entertaining, but it hasn't found its arc yet. It hasn't oh, even I, stepped onto it. I saw the dilation at the start as being about learn to love these characters and inhabit their charming world. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I so agree I, with you. I was more on board then. I, I, I agree. But it seems to be heading, like, there seems to be a different gimmick fueling the season. At the start of of this season. Mm. And then at the end, towards, you said it as well, sort of around eight. Seven and eight. They just run out of material for an episode. And it is really, it feels super stretched. And the production value, the the sound design has to do a lot of heavy lifting. And it maybe doesn't quite manage. Yes, well, that is what I was getting towards or hinting at. Is that you can paper over some of the cracks with some interesting sound interludes. Yeah. And this one, sometimes it succeeded, sometimes it really didn't. And episode seven and eight, they should have been combined down into one yeah. 20 minute episode, frankly. They didn't need to be 18 and 19 minutes. They they even repeated on some of the shorter episodes the last minute of the previous one just to bulk out the running time a little bit. Yeah, you're right. And you're right, it is episode seven. It's not episode, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. It's yeah, yeah. seven and eight. Yeah, yeah. Though there are some pretty cool parts in in part eight. Oh, when they're running away from the ghosts. Yeah, yeah and the, like yeah. the cops showing up and yes, like it's kinetic. Yeah. There's some very gnarly sounds when the police get, I don't know, torn apart. Like what happens to the Something. doctor in ten? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I, Which also gnarly, by the way. Certainly, like, very that's fairly shocking. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I've also made a note to say that the sound effect when Vastra breaks the window and the wind just blows in as as though the pressure has changed, that the outside is trying to get in. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize Lovely. that the top of a tower in, in the power estate was as, was akin to being a top K2 or Everest. <laughs> like, it is gusty up there. Oh, well, yes, certainly. I mean, you don't need to stand in the sun to get a tan. You just need to be out there for five minutes in the Arctic blast. Yeah. Wow. But yes, that was good. And even things as obvious and easy as a, a sewer manhole effect. Like there were there were good cues and clues scattered throughout this. They know what they're doing. Yeah, nice say. sound editing, like taking someone's voice and throwing it really far back. All the distortion effects are really nicely done. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you can hear the difference between a good mic and a bad mic. Mm. And that's quite nice. Yeah. It's good. Uh, well done. Can't remember who did the sound design. I feel like it was one single person who did the sound design on this entire thing. But either way, they did a really good job. Sound design by David Thomas on episode 10 anyway. Oh, okay. All right. Well done. Well so, done, David Thomas. Yeah. And well sound done, Sound engineer, else. Paul Clark. All right. Okay. Well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good job all. Can I ask about the gimmick at the start of the series? What's the gimmick, dude? The gimmick as I perceived it was that every episode would have one reference to one particular event in New Who specifically. Yeah. And so in the first one, I made a note of it somewhere. Smith and Jones. No, not Smith and Jones. Partners in Crime. Adipose. Yeah, the Adipose. Adipose is what it was. Yes. Diet pills. Exactly. Part two is Smith and Jones. Part three, Spiders in Sheffield. Oh, Arachnids in the UK. That's it, yeah. In fact, they call it Spiders in Sheffield. Do they? Or something like that. Giant giant spiders, huge spiders in Sheffield. Like, yeah, that's the right episode. That's, that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting every single episode is somehow going to call back to one. Like, that's going to be the anchor of it. Yes. And then it turns into its own thing, which is really cool. And I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. It changes the tempo, but it's in a good way. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, okay. There are good things. There are good things that, like... For instance, let me just say, I've been ragging on the whole thing so far, but the lowest rating I gave an episode was, guess what? Episode 7, 1.8, okay. the super stretched one. Oh, wow. You've given them individual ratings. I haven't even written down an overall rating yet. I only did this so that I could derive an overall rating I'm by very Trenton's impressed. very clever means of averages. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done. done. Well done, Trenton. Dooby dooby dooby. Super advanced mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there weren't any where I was like, why am I not getting those 20 minutes of my life back? Right. It was never that bad. But there was only one episode which I gave a four point something, for instance. Oh, which one was that? That was episode three. What What happens in that one? That is the one where the hotel disappears and... It's the one where Queen Victoria is gone and it changes to the Lost Queen Theatre. And I found that yes. a really nice twist. And that was the first like, really great original idea I thought this had had. I completely agree. That was a fantastically clever thing to write in. It was exactly as well executed as the disappearance of the building was poorly executed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because actually my first note in this favourite episode of mine was... Cleo suddenly wants to go back to help the woman at the other end of the hologram by what? Shouting at the robot. Like, what on earth do you think you're doing? This is one of the things that (laughs) made me veer towards Abby as the cleverer, more rational one, because sometimes Cleo was a complete ditz, a complete moron. Uh, Agreed. In the very same episode that she's getting called a genius, when she says, what if a lot of this is related to a lot of that? Oh, Cleo, that's amazing. You're a genius. It's like... Low bar. Low bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Furthermore, not just a bit of an income poop in certain, under certain, certain circumstances, mm-hmm. but also just oblivious is not the right word. Take the disappearing house, for example. Yeah. She gets over that pretty quickly. Mm. And it's not like the rest of the world, slash even Cleo after part 10, who just forget that certain things happen. You know, oh, the doctors uh, intervened, something absolutely magnificent or incredibly extraordinary has occurred. But shortly thereafter, people just forget about it and they start believing some conspiracy nonsense. Oh, the 5G thing. (laughs) 5G, hilarious, by the way. 
But when that building... I just got a 5G phone, by the way, and I'm here to tell you that it is not 5G that's in charge of our brains. Oh, I thought I was turning magnetic. Yeah. No, 5G is not to blame. It's something else. I don't know what. (laughs) So she witnesses a building disappear. Yes. Is one of the few people who retains the memory of this. Yeah. Tells people about it. Yeah, only really tells Sean and Abby, because they're the only people she's got to tell. And once they don't believe her, just gives up. Exactly. But no one would do that. She also like, oh yeah, and then we saw a hologram of some sort of space robot threatened to kill all humans and then exterminating the person that we were talking to over sci-fi technology. Yeah, no biggie, we're not going to have, this is not going to be the only topic of conversation for the rest of my life, as would be the case, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Also, that hologram ticks me off a little bit. How so? It sounded great. Yes. I, can, I can absolutely picture it. Mm-hmm. It better be a hint at series two. It absolutely better be a hint at series two, because otherwise, why do that at the end of part two as a cliffhanger and then not pick it up in part three or subsequent episodes? Yes, it's a great cliffhanger, but it's not followed through. It detects Cleo and Jordan in London, says Mm. all humans must die. And then it is mentioned a couple of times later on. But the last we hear of it is the doctor's like, oh, I better go and check on the Ravulox on the edge of the galaxy. And that's it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fully in agreement with you. Yeah, that wasn't, that was not super great. No, a bit but, of a cheat. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's fine. You know, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> this is the first instance at the end of part two, by the way, of everybody in the known Hooniverse listening to their podcast. Ronnie Chandra does. I think Kegels does. Osgood does. The freaking Doctor does. Like, the ego on her. Who's Ronnie Chandra? Rani Chandra is, I think, someone, a character from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, okay. So no. that's like the first guest star. If I search for Rani Chandra, film actress, Google tells me. Well, Rani Chandra, I think, is a fairly common, common name. Yeah, so. Rani Chandra, Doctor Who, hang yep. on. Yep. Who are I? Rani Chandra was a teenage girl who lived on Bannerman Road. She assisted Sarah Jane Smith and her friends in combating alien menaces and protecting the Earth from natural threats originating from Spain. Really? Bannerman Road? Bannerman Road. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Bannerman Road. <laughs> wow, segue. <laughs> This is not just any estate. This is the Powell estate. It is. Ooh, I. Ooh, I. So, how do you feel about the Powell estate making a comeback? <laughs> how do you feel about the whole, like, oh, yeah, no, Rose was my babysitter? It did allow me to picture it a lot more easily. Okay, yeah. That really helps. I found myself remembering visually a lot more of the Powell estate than I thought I would. Mickey, Ricky. I was just going <laughs> Bins. <laughs> <laughs> No, sorry. Well, Rose Tyler, don't remember. Wait, is she the one who was dating that absolute stone-cold fox, Mickey and or Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) Gave Jodie Whittaker half a second of, oh, I do miss Rose. I don't buy buy that for a second. I'm Mm. sorry. Well, that's why it was only half a second. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Not the only reason I'm not buying it for a second. Mm? Well, I just... It's almost as though too much has happened since... That very first season, or possibly the second season, let's say, and now, yeah, too much has happened in a way. There's, there's. Where is Yaz, for instance? Well, no, Yaz hasn't disappeared, but y- her mum has disappeared. There's a reference to that. I'm not saying Yaz oh, has disappeared. I see, I'm right, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Yaz you're right. Is what the Thirteenth Doctor has on her platter. You're sorry. You're absolutely right. That makes sorry. I'm being yeah. an idiot. You're... River Song has happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I remember Rose. I'm really, oh, wow. 
pining, pining for my ex. No, I don't buy it. I, at this point, it's <laughs> weird how... Do, would you agree? And I think the same goes for New Who, TV New Who, that it is easier to feel a connection to, in a callback to Classic Who than to certain parts of earlier New Who. Uh, well, see, I haven't seen as much Classic Who, so I can't make that comparison. But like when they say... Yeah, okay, I can't really think... No, okay, in this one, in this mm. audio adventure... Ooh, hit me. Whichever episode, they make a reference to the Web of Fear. They make a reference to Yeti in the tube oh, tunnels. Yes. Which is the Web of Fear. That's a classic Who reference. That strikes me as much more tangible, much more... I don't know, it just it just really works for me, more so than a reference back to Rose. I think it depends entirely on what stripe of fan you are. But, but I can totally see the callback to Adipose. Okay. Like that feels, that's somehow, I don't know. You know what? I'm not sure what it is. We were ambivalent about Rose all along, really, weren't we? There was part of us that was like, oh, good. Now she's gone to Bad Wolf Bay and we can be shot of this doctor will they, won't they nonsense. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And maybe that's part of it. I think you were actually onto something when you brought up River Song and Yaz and, 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 and. Yeah. That when it comes to referencing Smith and Jones or the Adipose episode, whatever that one's called. Partners in Crime. Partners in Crime, thank you. It doesn't clash with what we normally associate with Whitaker's era, which is like an incredible closeness, emotional closeness to her companions. Uh, one of them in particular, sure, but like her companions. Mm-hmm as opposed to any other past companions, ever. Yeah. I don't remember Whittaker on TV ever going, hmm, Rose, she was a catch. Oh. She was lovely. It's great bants, you know? No, I don't think so quite. Mm. I feel like there has been a, a hint dropped in a direction like that, but yeah, I can't place it, so. Yeah. Yeah, you win this argument for now. All right. But yeah, New Who is 18 years old at this point. So it's crazy. It's been going almost as long as Classic Who was. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, like we're into Davison territory in terms of the Classic Who parallel chronology. Some people were born yep. when New Who rebooted yep. and have since voted for Brexit. The fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Brexit vote was a while ago. Oh, yeah, you're right. They hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness they missed it. Yeah, you don't want that on your conscience the rest of your life. <laughs> That's true. Dodged <laughs> a bullet there <laughs> while jumping into the path of several dozen more. Oh, dear. <laughs> cliffhangers. Cliffhangers. We get nine cliffhangers in this 10-episode series, obviously, and one of them, the ninth one, is a double cliffhanger which i liked very much wait which one's the ninth one the ninth one is oh yes the ninth one is we think cleo is dropping out of existence and is becoming a ghost and at the same time floater fetus in a jar is saying you need to kill the doctor yes yeah you're right yeah for me it was a slightly different double actually but you are right or maybe uh, maybe triple I, (laughs) i thought everyone else was disappearing Yes, and then, that is what is actually happening in, in episode 10. That is made clear. But we, from we're hearing it from Cleo's perspective, and she thinks she's the one. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's the mind pretzel of, <laughs> oh my goodness, everyone's gone. Oh my goodness, no, she's gone. Yeah. And like, no, everyone else has gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is confirmed by Floater <laughs> shortly thereafter. But yes. Yeah. And, I, oh, sorry, come on. No, no, please go. And there are, there are different kinds of cliffhanger as well. Part one, 
there's a nice symmetry. The Doctor is killing us, Rani Chandra says. At the end of part six, there's been a wedge driven between the three friends. Abby is left behind by the other two. They feel left behind by her completely unreasonably. And so, yeah, that is a a different thing. It's a really late stage meeting with the goddess, I believe is the term. Is that right? In the hero's journey. Is is the goddess in this Osgood or Madame Vastra? Uh, I think technically, it's, I think technically it's floater. Oh right. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think technically. Well, but, yeah, but... we don't know anything about floater <laughs> apart from self and other. So sure, yeah. tracks. Part seven is don't touch the ghosts. We can all get on board with a ooh. Next episode will be creepy. And then episode eight, Madame Vastra reveals. So yeah, they did yeah. a good job with the cliffhangers in terms of significance and variety. I totally agree. Uh, massively on board for all of those points. <laughs> there. How do you feel about Floater? It's weirdly cold. Yeah, I've highlighted a, a line in my notes. Part nine, quite poorly written and poorly acted section with Floater. Yeah, Floater had a weird transatlantic-ish kind of accent. There were American tinges in there, and yeah, it's already abstract enough. Goodness, an alien fetus in a jar. Any feats in a jar, it can have absolutely any Who is uh, centuries or millennia old, I can't remember. Yes. That was a nice twist, that the oracle that Madame Vash was talking about... Was not the doctor, but, yeah. Well, yeah, that was the nice twist. And then, yeah, maybe that was it. Finding out what it actually was. Little underwhelming. Here's what I would have done differently, okay? Mm. This is the constructive criticism we need. (laughs) Well, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but (laughs) here's something just off the top of my head. Here's what I would have done differently with that. I feel like Floater and this Oracle, in fact, should have been hinted at throughout the season. Mm. The Doctor's already peppered throughout the season, right? Yeah. Let's pepper the Oracle as well. Okay. It's weird to have the culmination of, of this reveal. If you view this as an arc as well, every single time that we've heard a reference to a fetus in a jar, an alien fetus in a jar... It's weird to have the culmination be something <laughs> sorry, tangible. Sorry. I, I, I now can't hear what you're saying anymore because my brain is going, feet is in a jar. Feet is in, in a, a jar. jar. Trying to adapt that song to other <laughs> verses. The, the, perhaps this glass can be a fetus in a jar. Fetus <laughs> in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> well, been ruined for syllables. Well, is it not odd that the culmination that is something incredibly tangible and in fact something that ends up being a kind of post-credit zinger. A sting, yeah. Which I don't like either. Mm-hmm. Is it not weird that the origin of that is just a bunch of kind of slightly naff jokes on a podcast rather than there's something out there that keeps saying that have those jokes. I'm not saying remove those jokes. It's fun because you get Cleo to go, oh, your feet is in a jar. But surely you would have other milestones along this arc that are there's some kind of oracle out there. There's something out there that manages to speak across dimensions. There's something out there that is trying to communicate with us. Yeah, it's an ongoing further mystery. Or or it's more of a twist if it's sort of hinted at on a similar frequency as the Doctor's hinted at, that it then isn't the Doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like having a setup and punchline at once at the very end. Yeah. And it's just really inefficient for that reason. I think it's inefficient. For my entertainment purposes, it is. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it being the the post credit zinger? I feel like we could have done without it. I don't know why Madame Vastra has tired of her oracle. And has sent it in the post. Oh, yeah. It's a weird one. It's oddly slapsticky. 
to have... Oh, yeah, by the way, so you've been rejected as the Doctor's new companion, which we should talk about as well. Like, yeah, Oh, yes. You've had ten episodes to establish your character. By the way, nope, no dice, home slice. You're not going to get to travel with the person you've been leading up to traveling with for the rest of your life at all, even though your justification at the end is like really quite compelling, and I buy it. Mm, yeah. But here's an alien fetus in a jar who's now your new flatmate who probably eats shit is gonna consume resources and not pay rent and you're gonna have to keep it a secret <laughs> yeah and it's gonna be a really tiresome straight man all throughout series two yeah maybe maybe not i don't know maybe he's floated off it's floated off in back into the void dimension whatever we need to talk about that scene that you were just talking about which one's that the justification for cleo traveling with the doctor oh yeah that is abby's worst moment when cleo says what she says and yeah this is why i'd be great to come with you and i want to help out oh I and abby's like oh but what about the podcast yeah, yeah and abby's the one who a few episodes ago abby is regressing to to degrade down to shauna's level apparently because she's now like oh no but can't you just be interested in our tiny parochial piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> instead of like going off and finding yourself which is cleo's whole thing yeah a way to be a really bad friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also, Shauna doesn't give Cleo nearly as much shit for going away. And this plays into the jealousy factor that you yeah. identified earlier. Doesn't give Cleo nearly as much shit for going away with the Doctor as she gave Abby for trying to solve the mystery with their new ally. Like, goodness sake. That's not Shauna growing. That's just, that's just we didn't have time for her to be snide yet again. Because otherwise, she'd be saying, no, Cleo, you should go. And the doctor would be like, no, actually, I've got to do this on my own. But she also undoes her development with units, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like everything, like literally everything is undone. Mm. In essence, there is, they have no arc. Well, they have the illusion of an arc up until five seconds to midnight. And then that illusion is undone. And it turns out they've had no arc. They end up exactly well, where they So started. that they can kiss as the clock chimes 12. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. that is what happens here. A kiss, though. I don't buy. <laughs> well, and we don't hear. Abby is not the same girl that was recruited by Unit, but she wouldn't continue to work there. So I don't know. It doesn't really add up. It's. But then again, I knew from like I think their first interaction in episode one. I absolutely knew that Abby and Shauna were going to end up together. There was zero mystery there. It was oh. obvious from the get go. Of course, when they're in the. Oh, God. Damn it, now I'm getting angry. Do you remember yeah. the scene when they're in that... Not at you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at the writing of this one scene. Do you remember the scene where they're in the... In fact, I don't actually even exactly remember what this scene is about, like how this happens. This is the... I think it's the Requiem thing, where they're in some sort of group therapy session. Yes, 20 people on a Zoom call. Yes, exactly. And even though it's about... Or it should be about, oh, you've lost people, and, or you've lost something, whatever it is. Yeah. Inexplicably, that's turned into, I really fancy my podcast co-host, and she's the most <laughs> amazing woman in the world, and I can't get enough of her, but she uh, won't give me the time of day. It's yeah. like, fucking read the room. There are people here who have lost family members. There are people here who have experienced actual tragedy. <laughs> yeah. There's a, an epidemic of disappearances <laughs> across the entire globe, and you're fucking worried about a cross you have. Read the room. Yeah. I hate it. I hate that that is indulged. Yes. Oh, dear. Well, the thing is, <laughs> is that both Cleo and Sean are hugely indulged throughout this. Just... 
everybody apologizes to them. They never have anything to apologize for. Even when they start to apologize, the characters are like, oh no, you don't got nothing to apologize for, even though these are two humans interacting. Like, it's never that black and white. That never, is, ever. is true. I agree. Can you tell me about the Requiem thing? Was that meant to set up something that I either missed, forgot, or that simply didn't well, pan out? Requiem was Vastra. Oh. Vastra was in yeah, sky. See, I she was veiled. I That's why they couldn't see her face on I the screen. Just didn't, I just Either I didn't, it didn't, I didn't clock or I just forgot. Yeah. And actually, what you just said about, oh, my girlfriend, I wish she was the best person ever. She should be... But for her her crappy boyfriend holding her back, she'd be running the UN. And Abby has just joined a UN task force and she can't stop fucking complaining about it. <laughs> the lack of perspective of Shauna is truly epic. I don't know how they thought she was a positive character. Well, I can't help you in that department. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would accept none. <laughs> Originally, I think this came up a few tangents ago in the context of cliffhangers. Oh, yeah. Were there other cliffhangers that kind of stood out to you, either as good or bad? What are the cliffhangers? Uh, the part four cliffhanger is they are tasered and kidnapped by members of UNIT who are watching them in the Glasgow necropolis. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part three, Jordan disappears. That's that's right, yeah. And I think I mentioned most of the others. The last thing I've written for part five is Cagle's bad acting. Oh. Mm. She had to take on her renegade soldier do you think that kegels maybe recorded her lines separately to everyone else didn't really have anyone to act against there's something off about that performance to me i wonder if kegels Gemma redgrave right yeah i wonder if she just has slightly less expressive a voice than osgood for example Oh, most certainly. And I think... Do you remember her in, what was the New Who one that we saw recently? Oh, it's in uh, Flux. When she shows up in Flux, flipping eggs. You could be, I've forgotten her name, in Only Murders in the Building. What's what's her name? Selena Gomez? Yeah, you could be like, you know, Selena Gomez, she also can't act. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that she can't act full stop. I'm saying that her voice is less expressive and her face does relatively more of the work. But you don't get that in an audio Oh. So she yeah, tends- I feel like she didn't act in Flux either. I mean, she was right on the margins of Flux, wasn't she? Nobody had enough time. We oh, maybe might- that's it. I'm so sorry, um... Gemma Redgrave. Gemma Redgrave, yeah. thanks for listening. My whole point about her in Flux was those scenes needed to be longer and we needed to let them breathe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She's acted in the past. She oh, can no. do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, She's I'm- got pedigree. No, absolutely. Yeah. And at least Kegels is played by Gemma Redgrave because Madame Vastra is not played by Neve McIntosh. Oh! No. Who plays Madame Vastra? Madame Vastra in this is played by Dune Mackie-Chan doing a bad Madame Vastra impression in my book. Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't really think about it. It's just, yeah, there's only one moment where I felt even slightly touched by her performance and that was entirely the script doing the heavy lifting when she talks about how she used to live with Jenny and... Oh, of course, oh, yeah, yeah. Jenny's long gone because Madame Vastra is a reptilian Highlander. And oh, that's very sad. But nothing to do with the delivery. What was the latest that we saw, Jenny? Deep Breath. I think that's the last time the Paternoster gang appeared at all. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Interesting. Fair enough. Mm. Lazy writing. I've got a note in front of me. <laughs> what was that in reference to? <laughs> <laughs> the tire squeal and unit arrives at the exact point in London. By the way, they were in Glasgow half a scene ago. 
Yeah. Right. And now they got to drive the entire length of the country all through the vast metropolitan area of London. And oh, look, we've arrived and we've saved Shauna and Cleo at the exact right moment. Yeah, that uh, checks out geographically. Uh, Absolutely. It checks out chibnally, <laughs> but uh, not in a good script. No, okay. All right. Oh, I, I was, you were talking about Classic Who, and I oh, had yeah, a yeah. question about that. Oh, when yeah. Madame Vastra mentions unit killing defenceless sleeping Silurians, yes. what is that in reference That's to? The Silurians. Uh-huh. That is uh, the, the first time, I'm pretty sure, the first time that we get to meet the Silurians. It's called Doctor Who and the Silurians, or The Silurians. It's kind of remade, in a sense, in New Who, isn't it? Because we get uh-huh. to, the doc goes down to... These vast cities where they're all just in pods. They're just asleep, essentially. Don't we get that in New right, as yes, well? Yes, we do. In the double feature? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so in Classic Who, the first time that we encounter them, most of the species is just laying dormant. Uh, oh, I think possibly they fell asleep before the Ice Age and then they just haven't woken up. I can't remember. Podcast Land is probably screaming, but... <laughs> There's something to that effect, and units, they're identified as fairly hostile, and unit just goes, yeah, fuck it, bomb them. Oh, wow. <laughs> Some, I'm sure I'm skipping lots of steps. You know what, Podcast Land, here's what you should do. Listen back, before you write <laughs> in and tell me that I'm a dick for having forgotten about this, which I am and I have, but go back and listen to our review of Doctor Who and the Slurrings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double check that that's what it's called. <laughs> It's called Doctor Who and the Silurians. Boom. Nice. And in New Who, the episodes are... The Hungry Earth. Yeah, that's it. Cold Blood. Those are the two badgers. Yes, that is right. Such good stuff. Way later than I remember. I know. Did you say such good stuff? You gave both of those one point something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Still, it led to Madame Vastra. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You seem troubled. What's on your mind, dude? It has just on. Oh, wait, hang on. Before I even get to that, oh, there's okay. another cliffhanger. Ooh, I. I think possibly this is a cliffhanger. It's certainly towards the end of an episode. I also think this doesn't lead anywhere. Ooh. There's a Dalek reveal. Yeah, this is down in the unit warehouse. Yeah, part and six. Yeah, they certainly seem to be building up to it. But and then nada. I guess were that Dalek to emit any kind of audio, the Terry Nation state would be <laughs> ringing up the cash registers. Yeah. <laughs> I need a percentage of all the earnings of this free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that. And I don't know if it turns out to be Jordan. I don't think it's never ever explained. But when Cleo is being epically insolent to the police constable outside her building. Yeah. And he says, what about that tall man where, with dark hair and dark clothes who was lurking behind you really loomingly and suspiciously half a minute ago? That never goes anywhere. Unless that's a very early appearance of Jordan as a ghost, but it's not really tied in. Hmm. Atmospheric, I guess. Y- yeah. I wrote down a few introductory questions oh, that are oh. all about things that don't really work. And I think one of them maybe ties into this a little bit. Well, let's see. In, in, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JD. In very, very broad strokes, yeah. the ghosts... Yeah. Are they good or bad? They're not good for you if you are touched by them. But we later on at the very end, yeah. when Cleo has the revelation that actually because this is just a psychic coma, it's yeah. a psychic virus. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Oh, yes. Because it's a psychic virus, it's actually all in their heads. So they haven't disappeared. They're not cold and they haven't disappeared. They're actually exactly where they were before. It's just... They're just they, forgetting to hydrate. And they 
think they're not there. Yeah. They imagine that they're in the upside down. Ah, right. Gotcha. Meaning their personality hasn't been affected. So why would they be bad? And you never get to see anyone go... When when Cleo meets her mum, for example, and Jordan yeah. in the Upside Down, like they've all disappeared. Her mum and brother don't go, yeah, we saw you and we could, we felt compelled to touch you. <laughs> you know, it, there's nothing like that. They're yeah, just, we've become thirsty ghost life vampires. They're just themselves. Yeah. So what else is it about these ghosts that's so bad? What is it about them that's so malignant? It's the unknown threat. I don't know. It's a weird mm. thing for a trans drama to be playing with. Like a complete ignorance and lack of connection with the other in our leads. Yeah, also Complete lack point. of understanding. Yeah, <laughs> also a good point. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the whole ghost thing didn't really work for me. It I'm was honest. also, it just leads to more questions than answers, much like the perception filter, psychic virus, which we will get onto. Yeah. But in terms of why does Madame Vastra resist for so long? Why do some people disappear, like like Ryan and Graham, completely disappear at the yeah. beginning, whereas Cagles sticks around for a bit longer, Osgood a bit longer than that, when they have a long association with the Doctor, but they can survive and just not remember her. And yet, even though she has entirely vanished, or he, from their minds, they eventually disappear as well. Why? Yeah. And sometimes it's just the memory that is redacted. Sometimes it is the person entirely. I know that sounds very much like exactly what you just said, but take my, yeah. it, it, follow my leader. Yeah. Take the example of the podcast itself, the podcast, the mise en, mise en, the, the podcast within a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, this is what this is about. <laughs> Wibble wobble. <laughs> You've been redacted, uh, or that's been redacted. Now this is a podcast about something else. Wait, 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 wait. The thing that's been redacted is the thing that ties you to it. So if that's been taken away, then surely that means you are linked to the virus and you should have been redacted. Why in scene two of this podcast is it not reduced to a two-person podcast than to a one-person <laughs> podcast? Because that seems to be the logic that this virus operates on later on in the series. The, the virus, I think, is leapfrogging from the doctor via her thoughts to anyone she's known she like a hopper virus sorry yeah i apologize <laughs> and and she has met cleo um but cleo's got this super big denial of her past past reality going on which again for a trans story bit odd but yeah but you have a no sorry go ahead sorry and so they do make a point of saying you three knew about the TARDIS, the blue box, but you didn't know about the Doctor. You hadn't had a personal interaction with the Doctor, and so that's why you three are the ones we were all focused on. Right. So that's intentional. But a lot of people didn't have a personal interaction with the Doctor. Like Most people, I would argue, probably didn't have a personal interaction with the Doctor. Most people in the world. Yeah, all of London, eventually, because the virus just becomes massively contagious. I, that, that's, by that point, though, it's spread by touch, isn't it? And they do, they do change it. So the nature of it does change, the nature of the threat. It's a contiguity problem rather than a psychic You mean problem. when a ghost touches you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm. All right, okay, follow-up question. Yes. I guess this kind of ties into psychic coma versus perception field versus, or vis-a-vis perception field vis-a-vis... Who is that? Who or what is actually redacted? If yes. this is a psychic virus and people who get it are in a psychic coma, mm-hmm. why is reality affected for people who haven't yet been infected? Oh, that's an excellent call. 
I guess the virus also has some... Oh, but it doesn't have a dimensional element because that's the whole point. Cleo's like, I'm a genius. Everybody's still here. They're not in the other dimension. They just don't realise that they're still here. Uh, yeah. You know what speaks to mind? What? <laughs> what speaks what to mind? <laughs> that's great voice work. What speaks to mind is... That it's a, I need chocolate. Shamelessly, I listened to this a few weeks ago. It, it's a section of our trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I've, I've starred it in my phone, so it's just like always at the top. Right. Should you, podcast lad? <laughs> so you should, indeed. But I listened back to it a, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, and there's a bit there about the beast below, where, oh, so they kidnap kids, but then how do you not remember that you had kids? Oh, so they wipe your memory. But wouldn't you have to wipe the memory of everyone else as well? Because wouldn't there be a case where someone goes like, didn't you used to have kids? Yeah, what have <laughs> I know you, you can't remember kids? them, but like, I'm pretty sure I've met you and you used to have a family. Yeah, you <laughs> claim you can't remember them, but I very clearly can. Exactly. So now you have to wipe lots of people's memory. Yeah. And the same thing happens here. Yes. Like if you... <laughs> How, if you are, if this virus is already capable of wiping, of, of infecting everyone to the degree that their memory mirrors the, quote, proper, properly infected individual's new redacted memory, then the virus has already touched them and should just properly redact them too. Yeah. Also, what is Flow to the Oracle doing saying they're being taken to my being's dimension? Yeah. When actually, no, they're just... Not at all flailing around unable yeah. to find the fridge yeah some oracle dude <laughs> i found it quite frustrating in that let me summarize the middle of part 10 okay unit has an interdimensional beacon the doctor activates it talks to the ghosts they apparently tear her apart cleo activates the beacon broadcasts the podcast realizes that nobody has actually gone anywhere they aren't really ghosts after all gets doc back Doc's like, oh, you know what we should do? We should turn up the beacon. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. <laughs> Cleo, you're a genius. That is said again. <laughs> it's like Mark Gatiss wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> Doing exactly the same thing as before, but just but just turned up. And it's so that Cleo can be the one to figure it out. But there's no clever there. There's no new strategy. It's the same deal. Yeah. It's the, it's the same salve. I, I, yeah. I really did like the line, though, they give Jody. Plans are like tea bags. Sometimes you need to be in hot water before the magic happens. Oh, yeah, that is nice. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. a very good line. Well done. Yes. Oof, ma, loof. Yeah, there were good, there were lots of good lines. There were good lines in all 10 of these episodes. That's true. But part 10 was written by the show creator. Juno Dawson. Yes, that's right. I was going to say, I can remember her name now. Yeah, Juno Dawson, who I believe I saw, (gasps) I didn't make a copy of this, but I, I believe I saw online was one of the writers slated to write the next season of Class. Okay. And I can see how that would have been good. Right. Because this was better than class. <laughs> Very similar setup to exactly. class as well. Doc at the beginning and end. Yeah. Lots of real time wasting in the middle. <laughs> real world individuals in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yes, yeah. Also much a bunch of waste of time in the middle. But but still. Yeah. That's that's the thing. I, I also made a note about that wasted time. This was sort of like three hours of deleted scenes like, around <laughs> the edge of an episode, right? Yeah. And it's not necessarily to these three characters or actresses discredit 
that I didn't find it wholly engaging. Because maybe three hours with Amy, Rory and Clara would be too much. Eventually their ticks would begin to grate on me. And I'd be like, oh, this again for the eighth or ninth <laughs> time. Yeah. So there is that. Yeah. Also, I feel honor bound to bring up the fact that we, Podcast Land, Leon and I, Hello. have similarly written a three-hour-ish Doctor Who adventure. Yeah, something along those lines, yeah. yeah. Strange readings, that was and maybe will be how long we had estimated it would be. Yeah. And... Yeah, it gave me a bit of an insight into this. First of all, you were right. You were absolutely right in every every time you told me to cut down a massive monologue. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or take out five of the seven instances with which I was beating a point over the head of the listener with. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember that. I'm not trying to be offensive about that, but I do remember that. Because I was going through a phase of, no, this cutting is it. Like, I'm... Freaking, I'm on a roll when it comes to cutting down stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you, you know what we can do? You're 100% correct. Podcast Land, I just need to tell you the story of how we were recording the video of our first run-through of that script, <laughs> our first draft. Yeah. We'll make that available somehow. Well, will we? Because Eventually. The, no, story, the story is that we got to the point where I gave Jodie Whittaker, I shit you not, a 1A4 page monologue. Which I'm pretty sure I had asked to cut down on a few occasions. Is that you certainly did after that? That was the point. <laughs> that was the point at which I saw in your eyes the dream of our Patreon page die. You were like, <laughs> no one is going to pay money for this. No one should be subjected to this. Like, here's what we could do, dude. Yeah. Because shall we make this official podcast land? It's pretty likely that we won't be producing that the way that we originally envisioned producing it. Yeah, there are too many difficulties. Yeah, it's re. <sighs> Originally, so a slight tangent away from Redactor, but originally the idea was, and bear in mind, there was a pandemic going on at the time. The idea was, hey, here's a way to unify podcast land across continents even and have everyone record a teeny tiny bit. One line here, one line there, yada, yada, yada. Which a lot of you very graciously did. Yes, many of you incredibly generously donated your time and voice work to us, but it turned out really difficult. <laughs> like it's yeah. so challenging to right. put that together and make it sound like anything other than lots of than twenty people in twenty different cities or countries trying to record in the same room. Yeah, splicing them together in the same scene, the technicalities were insurmountable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with having it sound chaotic, yeah, and the number of tracks in audition, it would have crashed a supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> so that probably won't happen although maybe we'll maybe it, with your permission podcast lands rep, reps we might release bits of that Just, uh, yes some might find their way into the final cut where possible yeah exactly but otherwise we have discussed potentially <laughs> potentially drew and i sitting down with a few drinks yep. and re reading through the entire thing, just the two of us, whilst doing voices for all the characters. Yes. After some further editing and cutting down, perhaps. I was going to say exactly that. Before yeah. we do that, we are sitting yeah. down and we are slicing and dicing that one pager, dude. Yeah, with objective... <laughs> that one pager, honestly, I got it down to five lines. You really did... I felt uh, like an arsehole. I don't remember no. that particular monologue, but I, re I felt like such an arsehole on so many occasions. Like, oh, dude, this is... I, now you're I, don't, right, I don't want this. And this leads me to this. Nice. Doctor Who redacted, where in part four, Larry Alexander, they find his tape recorder from the 1930s, apparently, and he just tells them his entire fucking life story. 
and it's three minutes plus. It's such a long digression. It's so boring. It's almost as long a digression as the one we just had about <laughs> strange readings. <laughs> yeah, but but the longer his digression goes on, the more self-contradictory it becomes and yeah. the less sense it makes. Like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, he, he went back to his wife Natasha in the 1920s. So how was he arranged to meet up with Abby in the necropolis in 2021? And he says, everything's beginning to fade again, my wife and all that. So is he back? If he is back, why isn't he there? He has to leave it in an old tape, which is undiscovered for 90 years. Also complete bollocks. Where is he? When is he? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was just an excuse to involve the angel somehow. It's similar to the, hey, let's have a cliffhanger about a Dalek because it's not Doctor Who if it, is, if it doesn't contain a Dalek. So it's not New Who if it doesn't contain an angel reference. Yeah, but even so, it could have been a minute. There are yeah. so many things... Oh, a million percent. There are so many things in here that should have been sliced and diced down to half or a third. There are three consecutive interrogations in part five. All three of them get the treatment with Miller. Yeah. And were we being taken on a journey with that being given more insights into their characters than we get already because they're so paper thin and learning stuff and secrets are being revealed that might be something but it is just rote formula it's protocol it's like yeah. they get the concept of leverage great that's somehow trumpeted as, a, as enormous insight and it takes like 15 minutes i did think it was kind of funny when cleo goes you know we can hear you downstairs right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's always a washbish singer to to partially redeem i, I made notes of oh partial redemption <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> multiple points <laughs> well that was one of them let's see oh slight redemption for oh she just needs to go on that back massager oh when yeah because the back massager thing down in the warehouse warping a whole bunch of <laughs> the precious few artifacts they have left taken straight out of ducktales stolen directly oh, from really? the first episode of the new ducktales <laughs> featuring what's his face from community uh, featuring what's his face from doctor who wait who in doctor david oh, tennant david tennant scrooge mcduck oh, of course he's scrooge i remember seeing an interview about this yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yes um i, Danny, I, I don't Danny watch ducktales yes exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i need another drink why don't you have a think about it, another question to ask or another point to raise? Okay. Guess what? I'm ragging on Shauna again. <laughs> they need to save Abby, apparently, from Larry Alexander because every single person they go to meet is a potential killer, which gets a bit old. Yes. Yes, that's yeah. their reaction to everything. Yep. And so Shauna calls up Cleo and says, we've got to go save her, we've got to go save her right away. And then waits for Cleo to take the two hours to get to Sheffield on the train to then make the journey the further five hours yep. to apparently save Abby before Larry Alexander has killed her way earlier in the day. What are friends for? Yeah. Yeah. Good job, guys. No. Maybe she'll drop her wallet because that train fare did cost. <laughs> Maybe they'll find it on her corpse. Sure. There was a, also an intentional bit of stupidity i think which is at the beginning of part four where cleo's talking to the phone she said voice note listen to these voice notes they're gold how would you hear that voice note unless you opened the voice note i don't even remember that i'm not entirely sure what that's in reference to right at the beginning she's like podcast idea we do this and this and that but like memory and stuff and then voice note listen to these voice notes this is all great <laughs> can i just say your impression of her is amazing oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> how about the 
head science communicator at unit his video yes yes oh i like this i have made a note it just says unit training video Mm -hmm. it's great so great so good you can perfectly envision what it is that they are watching on that old television sets or that old vhs tape yeah, oh, from a VHS. thousand years ago. Oh, God. I can't do the voice. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Where's she from? Cleo's from London. Shauna's from Sheffield. Yeah, I can't. I can't it turns out I can't even do... It's South London somewhere, isn't it? Somewhere. I can't even do that. I'm so <laughs> shit at voices. A lot of time in London. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, it still doesn't help me. Yeah, no, it's great. I love that. That's a very mm. nice introduction to Unit in general. Yes. But it's also like they've been kidnapped. Cut to they're watching a training video to introduce them to their new surroundings, <laughs> which they're not allowed to tell anyone about. Like, wh- why the paradox on top of a paradox is hilarious. Yeah. And the this is a North magnet and this is a South magnet. Now, what about when we Wh- introduce a West, West magnet? magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, really good. Let's see it all. Very clever and also very Doctor Who. Yes. Super Doctor Who. And also, and you might even get to meet that. That was that was great as well. Yeah. Guess who ruined this scene for me? (sighs) Was it Shauna? Was it Shauna? Yes, it was Shauna. (laughs) Shauna has just met the head of unit, who is a woman. She is about to meet her number two. Also a woman, possibly a Zygon. Yep. Zygon presenting as a woman anyway. Abby is about to get recruited into UNIT, and all Shauna can do is complain about how it's just jobs for the boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness sake! Oh, what a door, though, eh? Yeah, so big. Such a nice door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a an audio adventure with a lot of trans themes. Yep. And there are a couple... I hesitated there because I was trying to count them on my head, and I can actually only really sort of think of one, although I, I feel like it does happen every now and then. Doctor Who in general, for 60 years, is, tr- <laughs> is constantly trying to ham fist sort of moral lessons, and it is... Just the right level of preachy. Yeah, and this audio adventure, this audio series, handles super well wh- what it is, even though I'm sure it, it, it only scratches the surface. But and everybody's handles, experience is different. Of course, but it handles super well some of the obstacles and challenges that one might or must encounter as a trans person in society today. And the, the, th- the scene that springs to mind now, for example, is Cleo and Vastra meeting. And there's an element of like, oh, Cleo's kind of judging Vastra based on her appearance and then kind of taking it back. And then both of them, or possibly previously, both of them kind of, in a sense, bond with each other over their differences and their commonalities and how society perceives them vis-a-vis how they feel themselves. Yeah, and Cleo's it's just really elegantly an open done. mind yeah. is like, oh, I can open my mind yet further. Great, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's it's just, it's really super nicely handled i think mm-hmm. and i bet you there are a lot of people out there who will not listen to this simply because listen to this season or the series simply because they think they're not listening to this podcast anyway so fuck those people but, <laughs> but but there are a lot of people out there i bet of the same persuasion as like oh the doctor's a lady now oh it's not my doctor that's all that's what they all sound. see i can do voice work every now and then yeah yeah i'm gonna give who back when one star <laughs> Wait, wait, why Matt Smith? Why? <laughs> I have a limited number of voices. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the that people of that persuasion may avoid this series because they're going to say, oh, it's just, it's wokeness or it's what, you know, one of those. Oh, yeah, it's more box ticking lefty lunacy from the BBC. Ex exactly. But. I mean, a it's not. It's like, and even if it were, fine. But but it's, but it's also not. And all of those moral lessons are handled super well. Yeah, I am looking at a, a note of mine that says the drama was well handled. I think it's in relation to Shauna's Nana and yeah, the transphobic Nan. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Well, yeah. I mean, she could be perceived as transphobic. And she could be just a bit biologically behind on Cleo's timeline, honestly. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I could yeah. see both sides. The characters were a mix of likable and flawed. Like, she wasn't a monster. She only wanted the best for Shauna. Yeah. Even though Shauna was completely <laughs> ratty with her. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, that transphobic man comment kind of leapt out of me. But it, yeah, you're right. There might be a generational thing going on there as well. But yeah. that's also super well handled. It's that very is, realistic. That's, well. exactly, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. I don't know, conversations with my nan who would say things every now and then. I'd be like, I don't think you can say that. Like, you probably shouldn't say like, When you're out in public, don't say that. Because I, I know where you stand, but like, the other people might need context, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, tolerance cuts both ways to a degree. Because yeah. this nan is clearly good-hearted and kind-spirited. Yeah, yeah, and, you're right. And Shauna, unfortunately, does not show her any of that tolerance. <laughs> but later, Cleo and the nana talk on the phone, and they have a completely fine conversation because... You are right. I forgot that that's the same character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some balance and roundedness there. Yeah. There's no straw men. Nobody is just... Apart from Craig, <laughs> who is never given a line. Abby's erstwhile boyfriend. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, screw that guy. I, I hear he's bad news. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm told about him every single time. Yeah. So apart from him, yeah. There was only one moment where I thought, oh, this trans stuff is a bit on the nose, which is when Rani Chandra is talking to Cleo through the hologram and is asking for help. And Cleo says, babe, I used to be a man and now I define my own identity. And my identity is, I'm fiercely defining my own identity. And Rani Chandra is, wow, you're hot shit. It was a bit cringy for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair but enough. That was honestly the only moment, really. I was also annoyed in that scene already because over a minute ago, we'd heard the big giant killbot saying, freeze, stay where you are. And there's been a full further minute of further bouncing instructions <laughs> by this point. So I'm like, you are clearly ham-fisting this in, like you just said, that... So, yeah, it was structurally distended, and so it showed it up a bit more for me. Mm. But, you know, yeah. I'm not exactly the target audience here, and I'm fine with that. Oh, fair enough. And I didn't have a problem with the rest of it. Sure. Right. Pong my ping, dude. Jodie Whittaker. Oh, we had to get there sometime. <laughs> yep. yep. Take it away, dude. What did she do? I thought that she actually brought, I don't know whether this is just because they have to wrap everything up in part 10 in it and so forth. She brought an injection of pace. It didn't entirely correct the lagging slack tempo of the whole thing, but it did seem to, well, it certainly G'd me up a bit. I agree, yeah. No, you did a great job. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. She did all her jolly, oh, yeah, isms. Oh, you could hear her flailing arms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she did a good job. Not boss. And she did a really good job. Hmm. Yeah. Nice one, Jodie. Well done, Jodie. And thank for. you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Jodie. Oh, yeah. Doctor Who? That was going to be my next one. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. That's great. Okay, yeah. Doctor Who. We've, we have a, a few of those in here. Yes. How do you feel about it? 
I really liked it in part three where there's a five or six minute sequence. And okay, that's far too long as I've just been saying. But the fact that they kept, Abby and Shauna kept forgetting the Doctor over and over again for minutes on end. I thought it actually had a cumulative effect in terms of humour rather than a diminishing return. And yeah, I did like it. By part six, it was perhaps a little played out. (laughs) (laughs) I think it still worked for me in part six, actually. Yeah, Yeah, the gag of... Leo's the only one who remembers the Doctor and everyone else it always just goes, huh? <laughs> Doctor, Doctor who? who? Yeah, that worked for me. Yeah. That was pretty hilarious. Okay. Yeah. What else you got? Some good lines. Oh, good. Let's hear them. Okay. Uh, right. You've been crying? Nah, just life allergies. Yeah. Yeah, so I did like very, that. Very nice line. Um, let's get the hell out of hell (laughs) (laughs) also (laughs) solid i'm a sister you have to tell me it's like the first amendment or something oh but that was one in the stupid column unfortunately i thought that was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah oh wow yeah no this person has never gone to school but (laughs) doesn't matter still laughing at it yeah i can't remember the full thing but this is something i disagreed with at some point there was a comment about like who says whom you say who for who not for whom no you say for whom Mm -hmm. yeah but no as an outlander you've taken the trouble to actually learn our language properly whereas we're just complacent autochthon fools (laughs) more power to you dude oh thanks Right, ping, dude. I really just have one note which wraps up the entirety of my thrust so far, which is they are looking for the boxes. Joel directs them to a locked storage room in the unit warehouse. Oh, whatever takes the most time, I suppose. That was my note. (laughs) It couldn't be open. Like We have to faff around. We have to waste a few more minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So much padding. Goodness. Drove me mad, all that padding. Did it now? Yeah. Right. I'm out. I've got more bullet points, but who gives a damn? Yeah, I think we've done enough. I, I think, think you get the gist, Podcast Land. Yeah. Oh, I did like, though, no, I liked Shauna's mention of Saxon Truthers. Oh, no, I missed that. Yeah. That, really nice. Yeah. Actually, maybe that's the point Saxon to end on. Saxon Truthers. Yeah, that's the point to end on is that this three-hour adventure was entirely within the Doctor Who world. Like, the people who wrote this are so steeped in the lore. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's all-encompassing. It was quite impressive. Oh, absolutely. Whilst feeling part of the real world, politically and socially. Yeah. The Saxon Truthers, the 5G conspiracy theory... Or it, that's part of a world that was very sadly we are part of, but thankfully gets to experience this audio adventure. Yeah. Although that does lead to the Doctor's final lesson, which is truth is always more powerful than a lie. And unfortunately... Yeah, not true. That's what, not true. That is a lie. Yeah, where, yeah, but what a powerful one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one me over, so it must be true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh no, we're stuck in a, an endless, an infinite loop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how do we break out of this infinite loop? Shall we try to rate it? Let's! And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So I said this at the beginning. I think it bears repeating. This series drops over more than two months. What starts off as a tagline? Do you remember the Doctor? By the end of that series, it was a genuine question. People could legitimately have aged out. They, dementia could have run its course. It took way too long. At least they're rectifying it this time around. <laughs> the podcast segments with which this series began, they are fun. They created the sense of energy and 
pew, 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 contributions from all around the room really well. Those three were good fun to spend time with when they were doing that. Fortunately, most of the rest of the time, Shauna is just reacting with standard defensive hostility to anyone not of her generation or social situation with pat hot takes and defiant ignorance maybe that heightens the realism because we're not after role models but i tired of her leo was fine and full of zingers abby i thought was the only one who could potentially bear scrutiny as a companion of the doctor when cleo says she's probably up there interrogating him and abby absolutely is i like that moment that was very doctor who and that would recommend her as a potential applicant however she has to have all that development stripped out at the end which is a shame lois chimimba who played abby has a prior doctor who connection oh really she played mably i.e. the nurse who survives in the Suranga conundrum. No way! Yeah! Oh, that's pretty cool. It is. Oh, yeah, very yeah. cool. I'm not going to rewatch that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. So with content this bulky, it's going to be a mixed bag. On the whole, it was well acted with the three exceptions I've outlined. The sound design was usually good, but there's a point where Cleo somehow uses some kind of manoeuvre to break out of some cable ties, and there's just sort of like, eh. Uh, uh, uh. oh i'm free oh, not yeah. great radio <laughs> and now you're free as well like okay it's a bit kind yeah. of amateurish and some of the conversations that followed on from that part maybe that was <laughs> that part's writer to blame but after hours locked in a room suddenly one of them suggests they try not to breathe in case there's poison gas which is obviously to get abby theorizing about aliens you could see the structure the beats that they needed to hit just laid bare but like i said every episode has wit and fun to recommend it out of all 10 maybe two final gripes just before we close Uh so much of this story (laughs) takes place over the phone or via voicemail messages and so much of it is interviews they really leaned on those two tropes hard yep throughout yes so i need to lower my score in the meantime hang on this is yeah okay carry on sorry my overall score is slightly very slightly above par oh 2.7 but i would say with some judicious cutting of about an hour's worth of material a 3.6 would definitely have been achievable wow okay right so 2.7 well done okay fantastic 2.7 holy smokes terrific mini thank you did you know when going into this podcast, this this podcast, this this audio adventure, uh-huh. that it was about a podcast, a Doctor Who podcast? I'm not sure I did. I definitely did not. Uh-huh. And when that came up in the very beginning, that may have awakened in me the bias that led <laughs> me to want to listen to the entire rest of this. Because holy uh-huh. smokes, for 10 years now, I've been waiting for the Doc to contact us and tell us that she's listening to our show. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? And for our podcast to subsequently save the universe. Exactly. Oh, what a starting concept. <laughs> as starter pistols go, that one was a music to my ears as opposed to the theme tune. Great idea. Great yeah. concept. As scrotum tickles go, that is a wraparound. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna spend some time this evening trying to figure it out. <laughs> right, I've added my regular set of bullet points here, my regular set of categories, and I'm going to see if I can rattle through them to some, some degree. So, Doctor. Doctor Who. Barely in this still works. Very mm-hmm. well. Yeah. 
More so than class. Companions, sure, let's call them that. Cleo, terrific, can't wait to hear more of her. Charlie Craggs, do more acting, please. Hilariously entertaining to my earballs. Abby, okay. Shauna, nope, sort off, please, and take the floater with you. Even though this is a <laughs> professional BBC production, I kind of want to say it feels like it shouldn't be. It feels like someone who is not part of the establishment managed... And it's true. Someone who is not part of the BBC Doctor Who production crew establishment produced this. Yeah. Clearly under a BBC ticket. And therefore, and quite possibly as someone who has attempted this in the past themselves, I can't help but be doubly impressed. Like, mm. This is such an achievement. It's not like they threw this at a BBC writer's room. They did a fantastic job sort of quote-unquote, on their own. I don't know what the backstory of this is. I don't know how this came to be. But they did such an incredible job, and I'm so in awe of it, of every single part of it. The writing, largely good. (laughs) I'll get to that. The production value, off the chart. Great use of stereo soundscapes, by the way. I bet you came, Drew. Fabulous sound (laughs) effects. Just never have the sound of children playing and giggling. That's one sound effect that we should just file in the creepy and gross column. Oh, and you know what? I'm not a fan of some of the music that was used in this. Felt very stock music-y, but on the whole, wow, super well done. Right. Where this episode fails a tad is in the consistency of storyline quality. We kind of touched upon this. Like, all episodes are not created equals transpires and when they sag sag they do like a tickled scrotum (laughs) a wraparound one might say (laughs) if cliffhangers were meant to lead nowhere we'd all be climbing k2 ffs that it just (laughs) it's just not how it works oh and the ending the ending one of the three of them felt very lazy to me but Flipping eggs, amigos. It's not easy to wrap up a three-hour, <laughs> a three-hour epic without writing in a race of shit eaters, a human centipede to a socialist utopia. Watch this space podcast land. <laughs> oh, dear, you came it all the way. <laughs> I might believe that. The- <laughs> Just believe everything except human centipede shit eaters. <laughs> redact that sentence. I, I shall redact. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. The lack of arcs across all of the show, the 10 episodes of this series in as a whole, as also applied to the individual character arcs, is almost designed to not interfere with TV canon, is kind of what I came away with. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, because Cleo certainly feels to me like someone who should, at the end of this 10-episode arc, have gone off on an, on an adventure with a doctor. And it's mind-boggling to me that she didn't. Way more justification to do that than many companions picked up in the past. Yeah, on TV. Yeah. So with that said, greatest asset, Cleo, biggest flaw, see above. Main takeaway, if you haven't listened to it, Podcast Land, please do, but maybe listen to some big finish first. I've given this a rating, perhaps slightly too generous, I'm not sure, but I've given it this a rating of 3.2. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Yeah, that is a question. I had considered, like, oh, yeah? Big Finish, they made a thing of, well, not they made a thing, they had a trans companion in their audios before this was released. Oh, yeah? And, of course, you can have more than one, and <laughs> one need not be enough, and then that box is ticked and never hear from that segment of society again. Which doctor? Might be McGann. Oh, right, cool. Yeah. And, like you said, it's a bit strange that this is a BBC ticket and not a Big Finish one, for instance. I guess that that's so yeah. a current doctor could be part of it, because maybe Big Finish don't have the license for Jodie yet. In fact, I'm sure they don't. I That's a very good reading of it. I think you might be onto something there. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why that happened. Oh, great. I've answered my own question. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, podcast learn. <laughs> 
Figuring things out on the fly. Okay, that's what we think. Yes. But I hear that someone else has had a thought. Yeah, what does one member of Podcast Land think of this? <laughs> <laughs> let's find out. This is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Japamatron Podcast Land. <laughs> You may be able to interpret from my code that we have one review, and it's from GP Haynes. I say G, you say P, G, P, G, P. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Hello, GP. Hello, everyone, says GP. Well, it's been a while since I listened to Doctor Who via audio, so I can't compare production to another Doctor Who audio adventure. Who I? I do listen to quite a lot of podcasts, and also audiobooks, with many of them simply having a narrator. Ooh. So I will compare this adventure, production-wise, with the gold standard of audio production, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, also by BBC. Wow. Oh, oh, wow. That, that, is, com- that is comparing it to a solid gold standard. Yeah. All right, okay. And, well, it's pretty good, says GP, with likeable, entertaining characters which are very contemporary British or Scottish. The narrative drew me in, drew back when I was listening to it. Nice. Although, obviously, a Dr. Light story, it was funny, creepy, charming, and creative. Madame Vastra makes a welcome reappearance, and Jodie Whittaker was fine in her mostly last episode role in the story. GP loved the idea of people going missing under suspicious circumstances, and it reminded him of some of the true crime podcasts that he does actually listen to in real life. Who I? The cast! GP wraps up, in this one I thought did a fantastic job, along with seamless editing of conversations and sound effects, made for a thoroughly enjoyable three hours odd story. And GP gives this a rating of... (gasps) You say four, I say point two. Sewer floaters! (laughs) 4.2 4.2 GP, holy smokes. And that is comparing it to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Wow. That is a holy smokeroonies and cheese GPs. That is amazing. Oh. What a. Every, trick out the heart on GP. Yeah. <laughs> Australia sized. <laughs> well done. And GP makes a good point in that they did cover a lot of different atmospheres, a lot of different moods. Yeah. And, yeah, they did a pretty good job throughout, yeah. They they had the creepy ghost one, they had the fun one, they had the pseudo-historical with Madame Vastra in the sewers one. They, yeah, they covered a lot of ground and they did it well. Sure, totally agree. Thank you very much, GP. Uh, people who are not GP, Aww. I think they... I think they should treat themselves. Oh, how so? I think they ought to go online onto Insta and YouTube and find GP. Where might they do that, Drew? They can find GP at Finding G-Spots. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much, GP. Well, goodness. Yeah. That brings us to the end of this episode and possibly also this audio channel. Yeah, quite possibly. Yep, it's full of endings. It's Return of the King all over again. We'll figure things out. Don't stop subscribing to us, Podcast Land. Yeah, don't stop believing we'll drop maybe one, two, three more episodes. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we just talked about strange readings. Yeah, yeah. We just gave the ending away. Yeah, yeah. We, well, I, I'll have redacted. I'll have bleeped it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So no classics. Probably no audios. <laughs> what is next? 
Okay, next up is quite likely going to be a bonus episode, namely of the unofficial anniversaries. That's Scream of the Shulker and... Dimensions in Time! That's right, yeah, yeah, exactly. The seventh and ninth Doctors, some of the sundries. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen, in which case the next episode will be what, Drew? A new Who episode. Who I? But of what? The power of t- Doctor! <laughs> After which we would have a bonus episode of... The 13th Doctor Retrospective. Dang right. After which we would have another bonus episode, potentially... Of? The Who Back When Whole Flipping Thing Retrospective. Oh, yeah. And that podcast land is all we've got lined up. Yeah. There are other things in the ether, but we don't just don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? We'll figure it out. Well, we haven't quite decided. Turns out it's really emotionally draining to try to <laughs> hammer in that final nail in one's own coffin. Yeah. So, <laughs> in the meantime. Yes, you can follow Leon online. Yes, you can. Hit me up on X. What? <laughs> Still, uh, what? We're sticking with that name? Okay. You know what? Fuck it. Don't follow me, Podcast Land, because I'm going to leave it. Oh, but they were just about to. Okay, fine. If you want to be. finger over the button for years. If you want to be one of the last people to follow me on <laughs> X slash Twitter, then you can do so. I'm at Ponken, P O N K E N. But you can follow us collectively on X slash Twitter, because that's what branding tells us to do. We can be found where, Drew? At who back when? All in one word, for your spelling convenience. And I can be found amidst the collective, as can Leon, by emailing whobackwhen at gmail.com. Dang right. And now I've just got the hang of that, we'll end the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening, Podcast Land. And reviewing, in your case, GP Haynes. Yeah. Gold star. And thank you, Drew, for a fabulous soiree. Oh, and thank you, Leon, for starting this circle jerk. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a wraparound. Since you mentioned that, I can't stop thinking in terms of circles. Catch you on the flippity-flop podcast land. Be rad and excellent to each other. You've been a lovely audience and cha-chow. Holy smokes. Well, yeah, rock on. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?